do you love that or do you hate that? Sometimes. <laughs> your, face, your face looks like you kind of love it. Welcome back, everybody, to Where's My Stick? My name is Christy. And I'm Danielle. Okay, so we're just going to get straight into it because it has been quite an eventful, like, two weeks since the season started. So the big news that everyone has been talking about that's been the big thing that happened is the end of the Pierre-Luc Dubois saga in Columbus. So kind of since the beginning of the season, um, I think John Tortorella came out and was just like, yeah... He wants out of here, but he's going to still play, blah, blah, blah. And then I think those rumblings were still kind of happening. And it finally came to a head after the shift where it was like a game against Tampa. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois, he only played for less than four minutes. And he was seemingly benched after a really bad shift where like there was a puck battle with him and Tyler Johnson and he really couldn't be asked to do anything and then right after then that's when the trade talks started happening again picking up and it was announced yesterday on the 23rd that the Blue Jackets traded Pierre-Luc Dubois um, and a third round pick for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic so Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to the Jets, and Patrick Laine and Roslovic are going to Columbus. And I guess to mention, the Jets did retain a part of Laine's salary this year. Yeah, and it's Pierre-Luc Dubois and a third going to Winnipeg. Yeah. And then, yeah, so, um, but yeah, we talked about the PLD drama a couple of episodes ago when, like, before he even signed his two-year, I think, $10 million contract with the Columbus, because he was a restricted free agent, and they still haven't, they still hadn't signed, um, there were rumblings about him wanting out of Columbus, and then, uh, Torres was like, yeah, he wants out, but, like, he won't tell us why, like, why does he want out? We still don't know, like, let us know, <laughs> and honestly, that was the first time in my life where I was like, like, okay, but, like, I want to know why he wants out, too. <laughs> Only because I wanted to shit on the Blue Jackets, to be honest. But this ends the PLD saga and the Line A saga because they've been talking about training Line A for years. Literally years. It's just so sad that it had to happen like this. It's just, (laughs) yeah. I'm so upset. I'm like, yesterday, (laughs) yesterday I got a lot of new Jets um, follows (laughs) because I was just like tweeting all day. Like, okay, ultimately the Jets do get better from this trade because they really needed a 2C and they finally have that. But I'm just like, Line 8 is a generational talent. Like, he is a generational talent. He has the potential to be that. And all he literally wanted was to have a consistent center. That's literally all he wanted. And the Jets just refuse I don't I don't know what it was that I saw Chevy was just like yeah we played him with Mark for a little bit but analytically it just wasn't working and I was just like sure but you play him with you play Mark with Blake Wheeler day in and day out I feel like 
the only time they've been separated is when like Shifley is out. And like I can I can understand the the notion that like yes, the way the roster is composed, there is an issue. But my thing is the Jets do drop good players, but then these players don't get a shot and then they always leave disgruntled and being like, Oh, I didn't get to play, I didn't get to play. But then and I'm gonna be not coherent during this because I just have like a lot of feelings <laughs> and I apologize, but just bear with me. <laughs> But I just feel like the Jets are drafting these young players like um, Veselainen, like Jack Roslovic, like um, Sammy Niku, Hanola, right? That are fast players that get the puck up ice to their centers or whatever. And then I feel like there is a... These new players, the second they make a mistake, or the young players, the second that they make a mistake they're out of there unless they play like whatever Maurice is trying to do. And that doesn't, that doesn't like breed like players wanting, like not wanting, but growing their game because they know in the back of their mind, like the second they make a mistake, they're out. The second fucking Mark Letestu is healthy, he's playing as opposed to me. So it's just, I can see why players want to be out because they don't have, they don't have, room to grow and we have a coaching staff that's been there for about eight years like I didn't know this but one of the the defense is terrible but one of the defensive coaches he's been there for eight years like he hasn't been fired Maurice has been there for four whatever four or five years or something like that and I feel like when you keep coaches around that long then I think it drives complacency and I'm not saying from Maurice because Maurice is really competitive, but the other coaches, like, it doesn't make sense how they've never changed the back of the bench. Like, I know they added Adam Lowry's father, but, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Danielle, maybe you have a different take. Like, you can be more objective about this, but I want people's, I need people's heads. I need Chevy gone. I need Maurice gone. I need the defensive coach gone. Power play coach has got to go. They all need to go. And they're not going to because Pierre-Luc Dubois, Dubois is good and he's going to make them better. And Connor Hellebuck is going to make them better and he's going to fill up the holes. But this team is not where it should be. And I'm upset because Line is gone. And I'll never forgive them for this. Like, I'm so upset. I mean, yeah, I, I'm i sad because it sucks for Line. Like, that, that's the biggest thing is that, like, this absolutely sucks for Line. Because, like you said, all he wanted was quali- uh, consistent quality center. That's all he wanted. And that was one thing he never got in in never. Winnipeg. To me, I know I like I I don't follow the Jets as closely as like you or a lot of other Jets people, but I've always like I've always had a soft spot for Maurice. So like for me, I want Chevy's head. Like I want Chevy's head. Like this is his fault. Who gets the players? Like who keeps the players? The GM. The GM. Ha- like they. It all falls on them. And I know that everyone's saying that like the coach makes the lineups. Sure. But I would love to see the analytics they're talking about. I would love to see where Chevy truly tried. I mean, they got um, Paul Stastny. He left. They got 
um, Kevin Hayes, he left, but like there were other moves that needed to be made. Like to trade Line A to Columbus when you could have traded Truba for a first uh, a center, like Truba wanted out for years and you couldn't like he Chevy waited and waited and waited and that was his piece that he could have gotten the center with. You didn't have to trade Line A to get a quality center. And that's where I'm angry. Like I want Chevy gone. I don't I don't really care. I don't know much about the bench. Like what you're saying definitely makes a lot of sense. I would be upset if people were there for eight years. But the thing about like drafting players, not drafting players, developing players in a time and a system that is like kind of win now, like Winnipeg, what are you doing? Like, are you are you here to develop these players so that they can help you win now? Or are you trying to win now? Because there's a difference. Like, I'm sorry, the contract for Blake Wheeler. I love Blake Wheeler. It's the terrible. contract for Blake Wheeler is terrible. So what are you trying to do? What are you trying to do? <laughs> like, I get I get wanting to leave. Like, I, I get wanting to win now. I get that. But like you said, you can't win now and still develop prospects. Because like exactly like you said, these prospects, when they make a mistake, they're benched for someone else. Because what's the coach trying to do? to win now now I know people might say well you can't win if you don't have these players in I get that I mean I have no I have no answer for the coaching staff I really don't because like they have to I go. don't want That's to the answer. I don't want to sound like anti-Maurice because I love Paul Maurice I know you do but Danielle he he needs he needs to answer some questions he really does Okay, like, and I get that. I definitely get that. And, like, whatever happens with Maurice is what happens with Maurice. I, at the end of the day, I feel distraught for Line A because, like, Columbus traded their number one center for him. So he's still going to a place where he has no center. Like, that was yeah. always the problem in, in uh, Columbus. Like, they have a Panarin, a great winger. He's playing with, I don't know, what center? What was it? Like, who was he playing with? Pierre Luc Dubois. <laughs> Thank you. Or, or like Cam Atkinson, a, a, a winger that scores a ton. Who was he playing with? Pierre-Luc Dubois. So now he doesn't have anyone to play with. I'm sick. I'm distraught. And the fact that it's Columbus, like, like it's just, it's just unfortunate because like Chevy waits, like, why couldn't he wait to send Line A to a place that was good for him? Like, that's to me, like, I mean, like you, you drafted this generational player. Y'all fucked it up. And then you just treat No, just- no, you know what fucked it up? The fact that I don't know for some reason, for some reason, Blake Wheeler cannot play with anybody else but Mark Shisley. Like I don't understand. Like I I, I really don't. And like and honestly, when you're paying him 8 million dollars, yeah, you're going to put him with someone where someone on a, his line that that like, helps him produce. I get that. But again, it goes back to why would you sign him to that contract? Like, I get you're trying to get as much value out of Wheeler's contract as possible. I get that. But at the end of the day, you just lost Patrick Laine. And, like, that's the thing is that, like, I don't even hate this trade for the Jets. And, like, rationally in my mind, I I don't – I'm like, this is great. Like, you guys are stacked down the middle. But then, like, my heart is saying, like, bitch, don't say that because Laine deserves the world. Don't be happy for Winnipeg. What makes me me so, so upset was that, like – like the Jets finally like did what Liney was wanting and getting another yeah. um center that he could play with. And I yeah. feel like Pierre Luc Dubois would be a perfect center for Liney. And then 
and then he just it cost Line to get it. Yeah, it cost Line yeah. and I'm just like, well, because there was it was bad asset management, which goes back to Chevy. Because like, who else was who else were they gonna? Well, one, all the drama of this whole summer before of Line getting traded, the jet. I mean the. Blue Jackets needed to do, make a move now. Is Lina going to stay there? Who knows? This might not have been a great move for them, but at least they got someone of equal value back for them. So you can't say it was a bad trade at, in the moment for the Blue Jackets. It's not. We need to have a conversation. And I know a lot of players left for different like um, different reasons and different circumstances, mm-hmm. but we need to talk about why every single player from the Jets is like leaving and they already have a problem attracting free agents. But it's just like, if you know, that's a problem. If you know, if you know, historically that it's really hard for Winnipeg to sign free agents, then you should be doing whatever it takes to make that the players that you do have stay and be happy. And I feel like they just (laughs) don't do that or they do do that, but maybe to the wrong players. Yeah. No, I mean, I know you're because thinking of Kyle Bluff. Connor got a six year oh, yeah. deal. I thought you were going to say Brian um, Little. <laughs> Brian Little. I was going to mention Brian Little, but I feel bad because, you like know, he he, literally, um, he's going to have to retire. Yeah, soon. like he literally just like, please keep my name out of your mouth. Just like this once. <laughs> okay. Okay, but it's okay. I feel really bad for him and whatever he's going through or whatever. But his contract is really bad. Blake Wheeler contract was bad after like the second year. And I think he has like a bajillion years to go and they took away Nikolai Ehlers best friend like it's just it's just so I'm just really like distraught like I can't believe they got rid of Line the one time that I got to see him play is gonna be the one time I get to see him play I know I said I would follow Line A like wherever but I don't know if I can't I can't do Columbus I really can't but I will blame Paul Maurice for almost everything else. The fact that Blake Wheeler was just like, people made this seem more dramatic on Twitter, and it was just like, yeah, no shit. Well, I didn't even know. I didn't even know he was mean to Line. I don't think he's mean to Line, but I feel like Blake is a very intense. Person. Well, he is a Virgo. Oh sure, but my thing is, if you have these high standards for. Um, other players you need to have them for yourself as well oh no you absolutely know that Blake has them for himself I these are just my personal feelings I did say I wasn't gonna be coherent and rational but I feel like if you're gonna ask a player to do something then you should be able to do it as well and I feel like people always harp on line a being really bad Mm -hmm. defensively all this and all that even though he's worked on it and like he said that he was working on it but I feel like Blake you also aren't the best, like, defensively. So it's just, like, is it a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black? Like, I just don't know. Well, here's the thing that I will say in this situation. And, and honestly, I haven't looked at their stats defensively. I thought that Lane was doing a lot better. But Me too. Anyway, I'll find any stat to support that he's doing better versus show that he's not. But I will say, I will say this with Blake. Like, you know what? Blake is a very, like... Like we said, he's a Virgo, so he wants to be right and he wants to do well. And it's hard when a young phenom is coming in and it's like, where is he going to play? Your position. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like Blake is probably at the end of the day, like he has pride. He wants to win in Winnipeg. Like he doesn't he wants to be on the top line. He wants to be out on the ice. And 
you know, you have a you have a situation where you're very close to your coach and he's going to give you that opportunity even if it stunts another player's opportunity, if that makes any sense. And that's what makes that's what makes me really frustrated because like I I I literally I hear everything that you're saying and I don't want to say that like I disagree cuz I get it. Like, you know, he's prideful, blah blah blah, all that. But my thing is if I don't know. I feel like if you're the if you're the captain and you yeah. can see that like he like lining might be better yeah. suited with Mark Shifley, like be like, hey, just give him a shot. And I feel like it's bullshit to be like, oh yeah, they didn't play like they weren't well analytically. That's what Chevy said, like um Mark and Line. But I'm just like, how long did you guys actually try that? Because mm-hmm. literally the second anything goes wrong in Winnipeg in terms of like if they're not producing or if they're down in a game, Connor um Connor Wheeler and Shifley is the next line out. And it's just like yeah. it, they don't work. It's a bad line. Like it's a good power play setup. But for five on five, they they just don't work that well. All right, let's go on to PLD. Okay, yes. <laughs> okay, so people were kind of speculating, like, why does um, Pierre Luc Dubois want out of Columbus? People were saying that he has issues with the coach. Um, some people were saying that it was because a lot of the people on Columbus are kind of more conservative. They're a bunch of Trump supporters, QAnon people. And um, in his interview on Hockey Night in Canada, um, Dubois basically was just like, oh, when he when he was first getting into the league and he spoke to a bunch of people that has played for towards before, they basically said that he's really hard on you, but in the future you'll see the benefit for it. And that's how he always looked at it. So people were thinking, all right, so it's not the coach, so what can it be? And I think a lot of people were speculating that it's because Columbus has a lot of, like, Trump supporters and QAnon people, and Pierre-Luc Dubois was more, is more left-leaning. And um, in his interview, which I thought was noteworthy, was like, oh, you know, there's Pierre-Luc Dubois, the player, and then there's Pierre-Luc Dubois, the yeah. person, and he was just like, whether I signed a long-term deal or not, like, I would, like, it would have still ended up this way, like, I still would have wanted out. So I'm just like, oh my god, like, did he save him? I mean, like, kudos to him for being like, this is not a situation that I see myself being in long-term. It's toxic for me, and I need to get the hell out of here, but... Now Line A is going there, and I'm, I'm sad about that. But. Yeah. Like, this is... See, like, this is how life is so bittersweet, right? Like, this... Everything that's coming out of, like, Columbus, PLD, want to get traded out of there. This... I would... Like, regularly, I would be thrilled. Like, I would... Like, it... It's disgusting how happy I would be. Like, this is exactly what I want to hear. Like, the fact that there's so many racists in Ohio. Like, yes. (laughs) That is exactly. And the fact that Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski are a part of that team. Like, yes. However, it's bittersweet because Line has to go there. And that's just so disgusting. Um, But, yeah, I mean, mean, obviously, Pierre-Luc Dubois couldn't say why he wanted to leave. Like... But I hope it comes out that it is because of the QAnon people. But I will say, 
in just in general, like looking at this trade objectively, just looking at it from PLD's perspective, I'm so happy that he did this because the league really does limit the amount of leverage young mm-hmm. stars have. And I just, I feel bad for them. I feel bad. Like you work super hard to get to where you are and then your team tries to shortchange you. They try to control you. You have no leverage. Like, I'm I'm telling you the the players union sucks. Okay, <laughs> they absolutely <laughs> it really suck. does. I wonder if it's because a lot of them aren't fully educated. I don't I don't know. <laughs> they need a lawyer. They need a like, lawyer. They need a, one that has never like worked for the NHL. But, um, so yeah, I just I don't know. Like it, it's bittersweet because I want to be like ha ha, but then I'm like no, lie they get out of here. So like. I'm just praying that he does not sign there long term. Yeah, he's good. He's still an RFA at the end of this year, though. Where would you want to see Line A go? Like, if you didn't real say. quick though, I will just to wrap up with PLD. I did hear that PLD's dad or uncle plays or like coaches for the Manitoba Moose. Mm-hmm, he does. So like Chevy was like, hopefully this could be a second home for him. I if I ever see Chevy Shut on the up. streets, it's hands. Like for real, immediately it's hands immediately. Like I hate like it so much. Okay, what? But then he he was like, oh, hopefully it'll be a second home. But then he was just like, yeah, his father working for us d- didn't influence my decision at all. And it's just like, shut up. Like you like the people that you like, and you like to keep them hired. But yeah, where would you want Lainey to go? This is off topic, but like if he doesn't resign with Columbus. I don't know. I would really have to sit down and think where I could see him thrive. That would also, because I, I want to see him win as well. Mm-hmm. And that could also fit a good contract for him. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, I have no idea. I'm trying to figure out which of my teams could he play on. <laughs> but None all of my mine. teams are literally to the cap. And I don't even know if they need them. Um yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to come back with that. He's going to be good. But I'm like, I don't want to like look at him with hatred because <laughs> because line A's gone. But. In like two weeks, I'll like be thrilled. I'll, like, I'll, no, like, yeah, I know. Absolutely when he starts it, playing, like I'm going to be sick. Yeah. I'm going to be sick when he starts playing. Like him and Ehlers? I don't know. We need to talk about Ehlers. Like he, oh, he is, <laughs> he is their best forward. Consistently, night in, night out. And he was going to be a trade chip if it wasn't. It was Literally. either going to be him or Line. Like that was That's it. Disgusting. Kyle Connor was always going to be safe. That is that is disgusting. That's horrifying. But I digress. Okay, moving on. So we are doing this season during a pandemic. So a lot of COVID related issues have kind of been popping up. So as of right now, the Sharks still can't play in their home arena in Santa Clara. So they've been playing their games in Arizona, and they are still going to be doing that at least until February 2nd from the last I saw. The Dallas Stars, they didn't play their first game until January 22nd because 17 members of the Stars tested positive for covid um, the Hurricanes, they had to postpone some games because five players tested, have been placed on the NHL COVID protocol absent list. 
Um, and then they closed the team's training facilities. But I think they did play a game, like, recently. No, they didn't. I'm lying. So their game has still been postponed. And they have another game on Tuesday. Tuesday the 20, 26th. So we'll see if that game gets played. And I guess this story is, like, the biggest one so far. So four players off from the Caps. So Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, Dmitry Orlov, and Ilya Samsonov, they were placed on the NHL COVID protocol absent list as well as, well as and they were fined $100,000 because they were all, from what it sounds like, they were all hanging out in a hotel room and Samsonov tested positive for COVID and then they basically asked him, you know, to do contact tracing. Like, you know, what were you doing? Who were you hanging out with? And then he named the other three. And so I think they were, so in the hotel that they were at, they have a designated area where players and stuff can hang out where they're able to be compliant, you know, they can have their mask on, they can be six feet apart and all that. But when they were in the hotel room, they didn't have any masks and they were seen as not compliant. And then I was listening to the 31 Thoughts podcast, um, Elliot Friedman's, and he was basically saying that a lot of people were wondering or asking, like, how come the Caps games weren't postponed, whereas, like, the Stars games and the Hurricanes games were yeah. postponed? And I think Elliot's explanation and reasoning for this was, like, it's nothing official, but he thinks that the Caps games weren't postponed because there was only one person that tested positive. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, and they weren't being compliant. So it's just, like... Like, you weren't following the rules, so why would we cancel you? Why would we postpone your games? Um, But, yeah, like, the Caps were pissed about this. Like, Ovi and his wife. His wife, I think, put out a statement. Like, they're breathing on each other on the ice, so what's the difference? Yeah, she was like, okay, so they can hug and yell in each other's faces on the ice, but off the ice, they're not even allowed to be anywhere near each other. And she was like, uh, Ovi has the COVID antibodies. So I don't know if that means that he had COVID and he doesn't now, but he still has those, like, you know, in his system or he has COVID just in general. I don't know. but Forever. (laughs) Yeah, I do know that, you know, in Russia, they've been living like COVID is... COVID free. Um, but (laughs) I just feel like, um, what did you think of like their punishment? Like, did you think the NHL was too harsh, too lenient, or like what? I mean, I think the NHL is poor, so like, (laughs) chance they can get money. Finding them a hundred thousand dollars, they were just like, yeah, give us some money. I, you know, and I mean, it's hard too. Like, I, I get both sides. I get when you're like you when they don't follow the rules you're just like what the hell bruh like you know and you find them and I understand her point of view where they're like well they hug and and scream and laugh and do all this on the ice on the bench but you know they can't do anything outside of it so I get it I mean it's I'm just like a part of me is just like dang this couldn't happen before they played the pens but right that's the petty part of me um and then when they when all three of them or four of them didn't play, they played uh, Buffalo and Buffalo still lost. So I'm just like, well, <laughs> where's the my boy? win? Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really petty. I, I mean, I thought they were gonna lose too. 
Yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't have harsh feelings on this. Or, I no, let me say, I don't have, like, a hard opinion on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just like, you know. Yeah. It just... Because, I mean, like, the NHL is trying to keep people safe, but, like, this this experience of them not being in the bubble, they were all, like, these situations in Santa, or then San Jose, or the Dallas Stars, or the Hurricanes, this was always going to happen, especially to me in the southern states where there's just, like, they don't no care. rules. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it kind of sucks, because, like, um, when I was listening to Friedman's podcast, he was just like, he was just like, oh, like the NHL, they, they needed to make an example out of someone yeah. because in Canada, it might be different in the States, but in Canada, they have special permits so that they're able to um, go to, you know, travel and go to the arenas and stuff because yeah. most of Canada yeah. is locked down. So if they were to see that, you know, people are breaking the rules and then the NHL didn't do anything they might get those rescinded or something like yeah. that. But then I was also just like, the Sharks aren't playing in their building because of the restrictions in um, yeah. California. So it's just like, like I, I, I get it. But I also understand like players not thinking about the whole NHL when they yeah. just want to like hang out for people, hang out with people for a few hours because they are expected to be by themselves. In their rooms. Yeah, when their rooms, which is hard. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I definitely get it, and I get the NHL showing, like making an example of the, out of the uh, caps. So the NWHL twenty twenty one tournament or bubble tournament uh, mm-hmm. has started. So I mean, like we're all in all hockey all the time. Like there are games every day. <laughs> <laughs> So if you don't know, the Isabel Cup is to take place in a bubble at Herb Brooks Arena in Lake Placid. Uh, this started on the 23rd, where each team will play five games, one against each of the other teams. Um, and then they will go on to uh, the semifinals, well, the four teams that make the semifinals. And then they um, see who winds up in the Isabel Cup. So that has started, and... The Elizabeth Cup, like, final will take pla- take place on February 5th. And that's going to be broadcasted on NBCSN. Uh, so that's really exciting. I mean, that's a huge jump for women's hockey. And I believe right now all of the games are, like, being live streamed on Twitch. And I want to say the first day, 8,000 people tuned in to watch the games. So hopefully that number keeps going up and up. But that's really exciting. And so as I was, like, like reading articles to get prepared, like, to see what is up, like, what (laughs) am I going to be watching? Who am I cheering for? Um, Marissa Ngemi um, is now writing for NBC, and she's going to be writing uh, for women's hockey. And so she wrote an article about five matchups that are really, like, you want to watch out for. So the first were... The Riveters versus the Toronto Six, which is a the Toronto Six are a new um, team. They just formed in Toronto, of course. Then um, Boston Pride versus the Minnesota Whitecaps. This was supposed to be the Isabel Cup last season before everything got shut down due to COVID. So these are the two of the top teams. So, of course, it's going to be a very good game. Um, and then the Connecticut Whale versus the... Uh, 
Riveters. Um, and then Boston Pride versus the Toronto Six. Of course, Boston, Toronto. And then Toronto versus the Buffalo Buttes. This is the first time that the Buffalo Buttes have a team that's pretty close to them. So, I mean... In theory, there should be a good Toronto-Buffalo rivalry, but in practice, it's it's always hard to, <laughs> to get that. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Like normally, women's sports do the the rivalry right. Like they are competitive versus men's when it's just not competitive. I.e., USA Canada. <laughs> so, getting competitive. With I mean, it, like for women's and World Juniors, like national, like men's, no. It's not. It, it could be if USA Hockey did better. Conversation for another day. <laughs> exactly. So I'm so excited. I'm rooting for the Riveters because they're the Metropolitan Riveters. It's the closest team to me. And they have Soroya uh, Tinker, who is on the team as a defenseman. That's my girl. I freaking love her. Also, I talked to the Rivs coach, and he's so nice. Yeah, he's so nice. So I'm just rooting for them for sure. Do you have a bias against any of these teams or a bias for any of these teams? Yeah, I just naturally root for the Riveters because they used to be the New York Riveters. <laughs> and, then yeah. I have, and then I have my Kessel jersey still. Um, but yeah, I'm going to root for them. Just out of local yeah. pride. Exactly. Um, so yeah, they the season started yesterday for us or at the time of recording. And um, Sora... And a couple of, actually, a, a good amount of Riveters players knelt and their teammates, like, showed their support mm. by, like, putting their hands on their shoulders. What were your thoughts about that? <laughs> um, I didn't really look into it too deeply, but I know Saucy Rockets had a big issue with it. Friend of the podcast had a big issue with it. Just um, it seeming really performative because they also have the mm-hmm. end racism patches or whatever. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And that became a big thing. I can definitely, I'm just curious, why didn't they all? Like, if you're going to show support, why not just kneel with them as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's a good question. Um, I think I kind of feel the same. I thought it was very performative. I thought it was also like, like kneeling was kind of four years ago, mm-hmm. four or five years ago when Kaepernick did it. But I understand, especially for Soraya, that this was her moment. Like this was like she's trying to do it in her moment. Like right. where before when everything was going on, she could they weren't playing. So she couldn't really do anything. And this was her moment to show solidarity to everyone else. So I really respect her from that. I can tell that she's she's always been vocal for like anything that has to do with racism and inclusion in hockey and I support her for that because women's hockey gets no love and to be a woman of color in hockey it's just it's that when you speak out that puts daggers on your back or a target on your back that's the correct saying and so I mean I get what she was trying to do what she was trying to say I don't know like like you said the people who are just like holding their shoulders I don't know, but <laughs> it's, it's been not, four it's not, years. It's not for me to say. Yeah, right. it's not me for me to say that you need to deal with them. So, I mean, and I do know that all the teams or most of the teams are, you know, donating to like Black Girl Hockey and other organizations to help like the next generation of 
kids, um, any, you know, any race, any religion to play hockey. So I definitely support that. I think that's, that's a really good initiative. Whereas like, we didn't see any of the men do anything like that. Right. So, right. But something that did rub me the right way, not the right way, the wrong way. I was going to be like, okay, <laughs> you like that. No, no. <laughs> um, I feel like, I don't know what her name is. I think her name is Madison Packer or something like mm-hmm. that. Like she was receiving criticism for the, for like having, I think she had like people of color on her shoes or whatever. Like she was trying to, I think what she was trying to do was um, pay homage to them. Or some people were just like, yeah. this might be seen as offensive, blah, blah, blah. And then it immediately went very, very defensive, very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, but you're saying that you want to amplify certain voices because they haven't been heard. But then when they give you just like an ounce of criticism, you, I think it was her sister, you guys immediately get yeah. on the defensive instead of being like, oh yeah, I can see how that could be offensive in other cultures or something like that. So I didn't mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, see, I, this is the first time hearing of that, so I could definitely understand why that would rub you the wrong way. <laughs> Not the right way, it's the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, definitely, guys, if you want to follow in on the action with everything that's going on in the NWHL, um, I definitely think that you should follow, like I said, Marissa and Gemi. She's following them or, and consistently writing and tweeting about them. Ayala, she is, um, she is calling some of the games. Of course, she's always Ooh. keeping up with it. And then Anne Turkarski, she's writing for the Riveters. So, I mean, if we could persuade you to support the Riveters, do it. (laughs) Um, So Anne's always a good follow. But, yeah, women's hockey, you love to see it. It's it's, it's hard. Like, no one's ever going to get everything right. But um, I can see that they're trying Mm -hmm. definitely more than the NHL. So, you know, I'm not going to be too upset about that <laughs> right not gonna be too hard opinionated always upset no right right i can appreciate effort yeah exactly okay so i guess last but not <laughs> our last topic of the day um the penguins so the penguins are currently fifth in the mass mutual east um with a 3-2 record for six points um, they lost their first two games to Philly, won their two games against the Caps in overtime, and then won their game against the Rangers. And coming up, they have to play the Rangers again tonight. So what are your thoughts so far through the, like, first five games? Like, what are you thinking? I know you have I don't thoughts. know. Like, I, I mean, at the same time, it's, been five games but at the same time I don't know I just don't think this team is as good as I thought they were gonna be yes yes and the fact that all their wins have come in overtime is concerning exactly and like their losses weren't in overtime like they lost handedly in regulation I don't know like just watching like the caps watching them play the caps it's very hard for me to be uh subjective but I felt like watching the Rangers 
it just wasn't fun. it wasn't a fun game to watch. Like I don't know if if we'll ever get that game where it's like, oh my god, the team is dominating. They're rolling. They are like killing it. Yes, like okay, we're getting ample amount of um, z- uh, offensive zone time. Like the defense is clean. Getting through the neutral zone is easy. You know, it's not all dumping and chasing. Like I felt like it's not like the the Pens are winning the board battles, winning battles to pucks. Like. It just, they don't even, I mean, they're they're a lot faster than they were last year, but they don't look like they're getting to pucks first. Like, I I don't know. It's just, but then again, I say all this, but then not, like I just said before, it's been five games and this is an older team. So it's going to take them a time, like a while to get acclimated. I mean, in the beginning of the season, Rodriguez was up with the top line and I have always been an Evan Rodriguez fan. I don't know if I want him consistently on the top line. No. So that's hard, mm-hmm. but you know, so that's my, that's kind of my thoughts so far. What about you? Yeah, I feel like I kind of feel the same. I just naturally think Philly is a bad matchup against the Penguins. Um, that's fair. But I think that like, I don't know. I think I would have felt a lot better if they w- lost one against Philly, won one against Philly, lost one against the Cap, won mm-hmm. one against the Cats. And then they beat the Rangers in overtime because they easily could be zero and five. Not zero and five, but like, yeah, zero and five. five. Yeah, oh and five right now with like three points because they went to overtime. And it's just like, where is, like, where is it? I'm not seeing it. And I do, I feel bad because um, Malkin's line, even though they don't necessarily have like high numbers, I feel like they've been a good line. Like they have chances. Zucker has been... Zucker has, I, I feel like Zucker's been good. Like, he should get a goal any day now. Rust, he doesn't have hands, but I know this. And, like, <laughs> I've I've adjusted my expectations for Brian Rust. Um, Malkin, I feel like every day, he's, like, something's going to happen. Um, I thought Sid's, well, the first two games, I thought Sid's line wasn't that good. But they have the most points on the team. So I was just mm. like, where am, where is my disconnect? Um, I thought Cody CC has been, he's been fine. Like, I don't really notice him, which is good. Well, he's only played two games. You see, that's why. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike good. Matheson, he has not been good. I've been really surprised, pleasantly surprised by Jankowski, though, in that third line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the fourth line is, yeah. it's fine. Matheson, I believe, only has only played three games. He was terrible in those games. Yeah. I'm excited to see Cappy yeah. with um Sid, though. Yeah, I think when they got Kappen in, he has definitely... I mean, he had a point in both games that he played, and I thought that he really made things happen, um, especially because he was rotating between that fourth line and that first line, mm-hmm. and I thought that he looked good on both lines. Like Yeah. And someone... I forgot, I was listening to... I think I was, was just watching on TV, and they were like, whoa, keep capping him with that fourth line. And it was just like, like, yeah, no. that would make sense. But at the same time, you fucking gave up, like, your first child for him. So no, he, he has be. to be on the top line with Sid. Like, he has to. <laughs> he you has gave to be up a top so nine many, player. Like, yeah, you gave up so much to get him. He has to try it in the top six, even though he might look – like, he makes your bottom six look even better. Because, like you said, that third line looks – really good um and so it's just 
frustrating. I will say, I thought that the Malkin line has looked good. But yet, they get the most, like, they get the most shit on Twitter. Like, maybe it's because I'm very sensitive to it. Um,. But like any everyone's like, oh, that's that second line gotta be better. But like Sid's line didn't score either. So like what's the truth? Like it's like the bottom si- it's depth scoring in the power play. And yeah. the power play doesn't even look that good. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, uh, like if we didn't have Teddy Booger, like we'd be up Shit's Creek. We would really be 0 and five. Like uh, <laughs> Teddy is really good. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely, I mean, talk about a guy that took a while to get here, but once he got here, he has looked better and better. It's definitely Bluger. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this will be interesting to see how, like, what happens. Like, I'm wondering if what we're seeing right now is actually the Pens or if they're going to get, if they're going to start playing how we kind of think they should be playing. Well, I feel like Chris Letang has also struggled <laughs> A little bit, and I think he is yeah. gonna get better. So, and then if you have Latang and Dumo, and then they do what they do, and then you have um, Pedersen and Marino, and I feel like they've struggled a little bit when they start being better. Like our defense should be better, and then in turn that will make Jari's numbers better. So, real quick, let's, yeah, let's get on the defense. So, Pe- Pedersen is out. He got hurt. Oh, yeah, he did. And so, and and before, the only consistent defensive line or the defensive pair was Dumo and Latang because they switched, they broke up Pedersen and Marino right, to CC. put Matheson with them and, and sometimes CeCe. Um, and then when, before Marino got hurt, it was Ruedel and... Um, Ricola together, but the then Ricola. Pedersen got her, and it's just, yeah. Oh. I don't know how you pronounce it, but um, so that's concerning, and there's a lot of injuries. Like we said, Matheson is now hurt, um, so that means that CC is back in the lineup. I did like that they took CC out the day, like the <laughs> they only just waited quick. one game. It was one game to show, and they were like, "All right, in your bench," <laughs> but he's back because of injuries. Um. Ricola is out mm-hmm. or Ricola is out for a while. So we did get to see P.O. Joseph, which it was against. It, he only played against the Rangers. It was a weird game with the Rangers, but I thought he looked fine. I thought he looked good. Yeah. I'm excited for him. Yeah. He got his first point in his first game. You love to see it. Yeah, and he was really playing against do. Keandre. And I was like, oh my God. I hope they keep him sweet. with. Well, for now, with um, Ruido, because I thought that it looks pretty good. Yeah, I thought so too. And there, it's easy to sh- to to shelter them, but then again, you don't have your top lines. And I don't know with Crystal Tang. I'm wondering if now, if like this year, when everyone's healthy, do you start limiting his minutes five on five? Hmm. Because listen, I think that Crystal Tang is good, and I think limiting his minutes will allow him to be better longer term. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at the same time. But he loves to I'm pay, just, play, like, 40 minutes a night. Yeah, Which is does. insane. Are you insane? Yeah. I, but he can do that in the playoffs if yes. they ever get there. So. Um, they might. They so yeah. Might. Do you have any other, like, comments about the defense? No. I think what you said is right. The goaltenders have not been good. Like, let's just 
Let's just state that. But see, like, I don't, like, I don't know. Is it the goalies haven't been good or is this team just really bad in front of them? But then you could also say sometimes you just need a save from your goalie and we're just, like, not getting that consistently. Or you could say the Penguins are, are having too many of those times when you need a goal from your goalie. Mm-hmm. You can say all know. of those things. <laughs> you can say all of those <laughs> yeah. things and I think you would be correct. Because, like, I mean, when Jari didn't play well and everyone, they were going back to DeSmith, which I knew Sullivan loves to have a short leash on his number one goalie. Everyone was like, DeSmith, DeSmith, DeSmith. And then he let in so many goals. So, like, what's the truth? Like, the truth is they both aren't haven't been playing well. And that's a concern because you're going to need a good goalie. But there's I don't even know if there's any goaltenders available at this point. Like, do you go out and get another goalie or do you just ride the race? Stick I with think it? Jari is going to get better, though. The Smith, I don't know, because he is not an A22 goalie. Yeah. But like when the pens are giving up so many odd like chances against, mm-hmm. what can he do? Like it's so crazy because yeah, it's so crazy because like you'll look on the when the pens are in the offensive zone, right? There the 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 other team has two players right in front of the net. Like they're not getting in front of the net. You're not like the pens aren't getting those quality chances like that. Whereas you look on the other side, we don't have that. which is like more times than not because they're stuck in their defensive zone. There's so many of the other team's goal like players in front of Tristan or DeSmith. That's a good point. It's just very annoying. Yeah, I forget because I definitely because I mean I'm not here to like point fingers at the coaching staff yet, <laughs> but like I mean we could start. We could get our fingers ready. Reardon was brought in to to make them play better defensively. And, I mean, the power play has saved them at certain times, but I don't think it looked good. But then again, is the power play ever going to no. look as good as it did when Kessel was here? That's another question. I don't think they, it's, They pass yeah. a lot. So, like, I don't like know. someone shoot. Yes, yeah, someone has got to shoot. <laughs> like, so, what is going on? I don't know. This team is definitely... It's so frustrating. Is, are you concerned? Or are you going to wait? Do you want to wait 10 games before you start getting concerned? Like... I am concerned, but I will also say that they've played Philly and they played the Caps and the Rangers. They haven't played mm-hmm. like New Jersey or the Devils. I mean, New, New Jersey. Who or the they? Devils. Who who when good yes. they get beat by? They... <laughs> Buffalo when good they get beat by, and Buffalo has a top and line the Islanders. Call. Yes, yeah. So the the other teams they have to play, they normally get beat by. So and Boston. I mean, well, Boston will be kind of like the Caps. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Boston in overtime or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. I, once they played all the teams, we're definitely gonna have to come back and reassess. Yeah. Oh, the Penguins. <laughs> yeah. They're never without some drama. They're never without. Do you love that or do you hate that? Sometimes <laughs> your, face, your face looks like you kind of love it. I mean, sometimes it's, like, interesting. You'd be like, oh, like, what's going on? But then sometimes it's, like, really frustrating because you guys should not be this bad. Because if a team was good all the way through, it's not that interesting to follow. Yeah. Um, I will say this as, like, a a Bolts fan. Like, sometimes sometimes I could just not watch a game and then, like, it'll be fine because Mm. they probably won but with the penguins i'm always just like who is doing what like what is going on i have to keep up um but it's it's also really sad and terrifying (laughs) yeah that's fair i agree with you on that 
that's that's gonna be it from us today we kind of had a lot of different news the penguins are interested interesting we'll see what's going on with covid um hopefully nobody trades away another one of my favorite players um but if you want to keep up with us see what we're doing feel free to follow us on twitter at where's underscore my underscore stick don't forget to tell a friend yeah bye bye